Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hi, world. Welcome to the 322nd episode of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. Broadcasting across the world this Boxing Day from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. It seems like yesterday that I did my first show, but it was actually in 2011, which is a fair while back. Now, I hope you all had a fantastic Christmas and ate and drank way too much. Um, We began with a great Christmas party on Christmas Eve, hosted by super talented actor Nick Hardcastle. And then uh, had an incredible party at our house in the Hollywood Hills yesterday, Christmas Day, with my son from San Francisco, who works for Google, and Margie's son from Sydney, who's just picked up the contract for bike wheels for the Australian Olympic team, and uh, the extraordinary talented team from the Australian Theatre Group in Los Angeles. And uh, it was just an incredible day and Christmas is all about friends and we had 14 of them over and uh, it doesn't matter what else you've done or what else you have or don't have, we feel really blessed that we have such fantastic friends. Now, this is my last show for 2017 and uh, we were reflecting yesterday about the extraordinary changes that have taken place over the last seven years of this show from self-driving cars to Hyperloop. But the one big event that's captured the world's imagination is Bitcoin. Every dinner or event that we have been to over the past couple of months with people of all walks of life, and we go out a hell of a lot, the main topic of conversation at all of them, even yesterday and Christmas Day, has been cryptocurrency. So whether or not cryptocurrency will turn out to be a good investment, or just a fad, as some people say, remains to be seen. But there's certainly a lot of divergent views. For what it's worth, I've had a very long and hard look at crypto, and I'm involved pretty heavily. And uh, I believe that it's just beginning. I'm convinced that people who get into crypto now will do unbelievably well in 2018. I had dinner uh, had, sorry, I had lunch a couple of days ago with an actor uh, who was, um, I think, 23. And he and most of his friends have pretty much retired on the money on the, they've made the last 12 months, 23, mind you, money they've made the last 12 months on cryptocurrency. So, um, and we've done very well out of it as well. So my advice is to get into Ethereum and EOS, Ripple, and fan funfair as your solid picks and certainly get into Bitcoin if you can afford it. I think it's 16000 a day. I reckon it'll be 28000 by the end of next week and be well on the way to 50000 as we get into the year. So I think it's going to prove to be an amazing investment. Also, if you don't have a lot of money, you can grab some penny cryptos like Verge and Tron and when and if they take off, you'll make a lot of money. So I thought today I would repeat some advice I gave in my 
daily business newsletter about Bitcoin, how to get into it. And uh, in the past several months, Bitcoin makes the 1999 tech bubble bubble look very staid. Bitcoin has millions of people wondering how a Bitcoin investment can actually be done. It was interesting last night. There was know, 14 of us or something, and we we're talking about cryptocurrency. And most people knew what it was and knew about its success, but didn't know how the hell to get into it. Where do you start? Where do you buy these things? You know, you can't buy them down down the street. You can't buy them from the traditional brokerage. So how do you get one? So the first question you should ask is, should you invest in Bitcoin? Now, it could be argued that buying Bitcoin at $16,000 is, uh, or $18,000 if it is today, um, it's a bit risky. You know, you need to know that it, you might lose money. But if you're not if you're not prepared to face that prospect, then a Bitcoin investment may not be for you. But if you can afford it, um, I think it's a great investment. I got in uh, to Bitcoin when it was um, lower than it is now, but not a whole bunch lower. And I've done quite well out of it so far. In January this year, twelve months ago, eleven months ago, Bitcoin was. 800 bucks. It's now 18,000. That's a 22-fold gain. So for every dollar you put in, you get 22 back. I think it's worth having a bit of a punt at it. The other risk to keep in mind is a cyber attack. And hackers have been very active in the digital currency space. So you need to keep your crypto in a personal wallet like we've got ours, I think, in Exodus, and ensure your security is up to date. So that's the first question. The second question is, how do you invest in Bitcoin? Where do I get this stuff? Well, cryptocurrencies exist in an unregulated, decentralized digital sphere without any involvement by any central banks. And this is part of Bitcoin's appeal. People can buy and sell cryptocurrency anonymously and there are fewer middlemen taking a commission on transactions. And once you buy cryptocurrency, it's, it's pretty instant. But you can't just buy Bitcoin via mainstream investing tools like a brokerage account. It doesn't work that way. But the good news is that you can buy fractions up to the eighth decimal place of Bitcoin. So you can you don't have to spend 18000 for a full Bitcoin. You can buy an eighth um, one eight decimal points, which means you can buy one ten thousandth of a bitcoin if you want to, and that'll cost you dollar sixty-five. So you can buy little increments of a bitcoin, a bit like a cent is a small increment of a dollar. The well, same thing. So you can buy, except they don't have a name. It's just a bit of a bitcoin. Now, for most people, the best way to invest in Bitcoin starts with setting up the cryptocurrency wallet and you buy your cryptos through what's called an exchange. And some of the better known exchanges are Coinbase, um, Binance and Kraken. So Coinbase, Binance and Kraken. And once your account's established, you connect it to your bank account or credit debit card via a two-factor authentication. 
Now, it's important to use a tool like Google Authenticator rather than just relying on text-based authentication, which can be more vulnerable to cyber theft. So use Google Authenticator. And once you've purchased a Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency, and there's about 1,200 of them, but I suggest that you um, uh, stick to the top 20 or 25, um, it stays in your digital wallet until you trade it. So you just buy it, put it in your digital wallet, leave it, forget about it, and uh, hopefully it's going to earn money while you sleep. So you can either, then once you want to take it out, you can either use it as a currency for a purchase. A big rumor is that um, Amazon's going to take start taking Bitcoin in February. I don't know how accurate that is, but the story seems to be everywhere. And uh, I think once um, once Amazon take, starts taking Bitcoin, then the whole thing will change. It'll, it gives it enormous credibility. Or you can sell your, your uh, cryptocurrency for American dollars or any other currency if you want, Australian dollars, English pounds, whatever you want. So as with a brokerage account, you're going to pay transaction fees whenever you buy or sell, but they're usually significantly less than they are when you're buying shares. There are also other ways to buy Bitcoin. You can um, buy Bitcoin futures. Bitcoin investment um, sites, are, they're struggling to keep up with the surge in demand. Everybody wants to buy these things at the moment. Coinbase, for example, has been such a popular Bitcoin investment app that its CEO posted on the company's blog recently a warning that the sudden influx of people wanting Bitcoin creates extreme volatility and puts a lot of stress on their systems, which creates a, a lag in, the, um, in your investment being processed. The Chicago Board Options Exchange also warned that a flood of traffic in Bitcoin futures was slowing down its site. So be a bit patient when you go to buy your Bitcoin because everybody else around the planet seems to be trying to buy it at the same time. And don't worry about the crash. I mean, it went down to $11 something the other day, um, probably less than a week ago. It's back up to 18 today. Um, so uh, I wouldn't be worried about it. I think it's going to be maybe... 22, 25 by the end of the month. Um, there's also the Bitcoin Investment Trust from Grayscale Investments. Now, the, the fund is invested in Bitcoin, so you're actually buying the fund, not Bitcoin. So you're buying a portion of their fund. So you're a step removed from owning actual Bitcoin. The pluses are that the, you get the structure and tax benefit and you wouldn't get trading Bitcoin directly. On the other hand, you do pay fees, which will um, eat a bit into what you earn, um, which is ironic since the reason many people are drawn to cryptocurrencies in the first place is because there is very little commissions. I'm not an investment advisor, so I'm just warning you, and my thoughts are from my own research and contacts in the crypto space. So please take my advice with a grain of salt. But I am very active in crypto, and so far our portfolio is up 52 times on our original investment. So, you know, the way it started was I went to the bank 
And I said, I've got some money. And they said, terrific, give it to us and over the next 12 months we'll earn you 4% interest or 6% interest. And I said, bugger that, I'm not investing my money at 6% interest. So we put it into crypto and we've earned, what is it, 5,200 times, 5,200% interest on our investment. So needless to say, I am very bullish on cryptocurrency. Have you been reading my third daily 30-second re-business newsletter? It comes out every day. Um, we've got somewhere around 1.75 million daily subscribers. It takes between 30 seconds and 60 seconds to read every day, and every day we tackle a different subject. We talk about advances in medicine. We talk about new apps, new technology, subjects like Hyperloop, autonomous cars, blockchain, um, editing genomes, all of that sort of stuff, something different every day. It's free and its information is absolutely invaluable. And it's really, I'm really gratified to see the increase in uh, subscribers we get every single day and also the number of companies that enrol their senior staff as an education tool. It is terrific. So thank you. I really appreciate it. And if you don't get it, don't get my daily newsletter, go to my website, bobpritchard.com and enroll. We um, we don't have another one coming out until the, I think, 2nd of January. So if you enroll today, you won't get it for about a week. But when you get it, it's worth it. So let's talk. You know, this year has been extraordinary. So let's just talk for a moment about the extraordinary change we're all witnessing. You know, 3D printing. Wow. It's extraordinary and it's exploded in the last couple of years. The cheapest 3D printer came down from $18,000 to $400 within 10 years. And during that time, it um, has become 100 times faster. You know, the shoe companies now 3D print shoes. Spare airline parts are 3D printed. The space station has a printer that eliminates the need for a large amount of spare parts that they used to carry. This year, new smartphones will have 3D scanning possibilities. You can 3D scan your feet and print your own perfect shoe at home. In China, they've got 3D printing a complete six-story office building. By 2027, 35% of every single thing that's produced will be 3D printed. Wow. Um, another major opportunity that we'll see next year is the start of the um, um, stripping of jobs. And it's anticipated that um, 70 to 80% of today's jobs will totally disappear within about 10 years. But will there be enough new jobs taking their place? That's the question. Um, people are experimenting with UBI, Universal Basic Income, and that uh, so far is looking really good. But how it works in practice, well, that's a whole different deal. Now, pretty, sure, pretty soon there's going to be a $100 agricultural robot which will enable farmers to become managers of their field instead of actually working in it 
vertical farms. They take about a thousandth of the land and they produce better crops with a fraction of the raw materials. Perfect crops all the time, no, not affected by drought or insects or infestations or anything else. Aeroponics will need much less water. So that's going to be a big change. Another big change to hit the farming industry is that artificial meat, which is now on the supermarket shelves, and honestly, you cannot, Bill Gates is a huge investor in this, and you cannot tell the difference. I defy anyone to be able to sit there and try the artificial meat and uh, differentiate it from animal-produced meat. And 30% of all agricultural surface on the world is used for cows, so we won't need that space anymore. Blockchain is going to disrupt banks, financial services, stock trading, real estate, and a host of other inefficient industries. Bitcoin will become mainstream, and a cryptocurrency of some sort will become the default reserve currency. The cheapest smartphones are all, all already below $10 in Africa and Asia. By 2020, 70% of all humans will own a smartphone, providing everyone in the world with the same access to world-class education. Now, that is a good thing. The rate of change that's occurring now is extraordinary, and entrepreneurs of the future, you know, you need to take it into account before embarking on your adventure of a lifetime. You also need to consider it before you determine what you're going to do at college. Now, my guest today is my very good friend, and one of our really happy party guests last night, Scott Page. And Scotty is most recognised for being a member of Pink Floyd, before that Super Tramp and Toto, three of the biggest bands in the history of music. He's one truly extraordinary entrepreneur with an unbelievable array of achievements with startups. He's had three startups, all of which have done extremely well, one, well, one of which went to an IPO. However, given all that, he's enormous success and he works so hard. He's a tireless worker for a range of charities and he's raised millions and millions of dollars. He is a truly great guy. And I'll be back with my friend Scott Page after this short break on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, coming to you from Hollywood, California, where technology meets entertainment. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. 
You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. And this is the segment of the show where we talk to people who have achieved great success. People that are making a real difference in the world. And we try to find out what it is that makes them tick. Now, this this program's all about assisting entrepreneurs to learn from successful people and emulate these success stories. You know, we're all the masters of our own destiny, and I believe that most of us can be almost anything we want to be, and usually the only thing that's stopping us is that person that looks back in the mirror at us every day. To be an entrepreneur, irrespective of what business you're in, it takes guts and the willingness to really push the envelope. Now, my guest today has done exactly that. How would you like to have a resume that describes you as a technologist, an entrepreneur, a musician, and a songwriter? As an entrepreneur, he formed Walt Tucker Productions, an audio-video post-production company, formed that in 1987. 1992, he co-founded Seventh Level, which is a CD-ROM game and educational software company. Later, co-founded New Media Broadcasting Company, a social media and collaborative communications enterprise. Now he's the CEO, the co-founder and CEO of Direct to Care, which is an online management company for healthcare. That's a pretty good lineup. Stop there. My guest received several acknowledgements and awards for his technology company's achievements. Named as one of the 50 pioneers of multimedia, he's been a guest lecturer and panellist at numerous conferences and university symposia. His industry acknowledgements include being named one of the top 100 multimedia producers by Multimedia Magazine, one of the 100 coolest people in Los Angeles, now that's that's a title I could go for, I'd like that one, (laughs) by Buzz Magazine, and one of 50 new media innovators profiled in Pioneer Electronics Multimedia Frontier. Oh, I forgot something. Scott Page is most recognised for being a member of Pink Floyd, Supertramp and Toto, three of the biggest bands in the history of music. Now, this is a boy that's really got off his ass and achieved something. However, in my mind, Scott um, has even one much more important credit in his resume. That is, of a tireless worker for a range of charities. He's raised millions of dollars. And uh, that's something that is to be admired in entrepreneurs. If more people emulated Scott, the world would be one hell of a lot better place. Not only that, he's a good bloke. Hi, mate. How are you? Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Well, thank you very much. And actually, I want to know that guy you just talked about. Yeah, Holy cow, cool, I can't believe it. He's pretty cool. <laughs> he is he really cool. Cooler. <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually. It's funny, all this time's gone by, and now I'm on the other end. I remember always thinking about talking about, you know, guys that were that were my heroes and, my you know, with these great track records and 
Well, I blinked and now at least I'm old, dude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling, old. mate. But a hundred <laughs> coolest people in Los Angeles, I think that's a, uh, that, that, that's the accolade you want. <laughs> uh, it was great. Yeah, that was pretty funny. It was uh, actually pretty exciting. I, you know, it's a wonderful actual title. I'm very thankful to have gotten that because that's actually one of the things that I think is so important in business is, you know, being able to get along with people and, sure. you know, it's such a core aspect. It's all based on relationships, right? Absolutely. Now, yeah. it's, a, it's a hell of a long way from appearing on the Lawrence Welk show in the ABC in the <laughs> 50s when you were a little kid to direct to care. Um, it's yeah. a, social, a social network which provides outpatient healthcare advice. Um, at seventh level, you created a series of educational programs and you've raised millions of dollars for charity. So you're obviously a socially conscious person. Did you deliberately set out to create technology companies that do good or do you do good simply because those companies became successful? Huh. Interesting question. No, it wasn't really thought. I didn't go into it from the point of view of I'm going to try to build a socially conscious uh, business or anything like that. It was mostly just, you know, just I'm just a big believer. The more you give, the more you get. And uh, it's just it's amazing. You just sort of through the through being out there in the world, you stumble along with you stumble and meet different people. Uh, and these opportunities come up and, you know, it's always fun to get involved with those types of things because there's such a great spirit and passion that goes along with those kinds of organizations. And, you know, it's just very, it's very rewarding. So yes. we try to, uh, you know, be involved in as many as we possibly can. Few people do that though. So where does, where does this commitment to the community come from? Uh, boy, you know, I guess it's, you know, my, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty much into a lot of the spiritual teachings and, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking about that and meditating yeah. and it just seems like it's, it's just kind of, you know, it's involved in, intertwined right in our DNA, I think, when you start looking at that. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's just, I think it's just an important thing to uh, get involved. You know, I think one of the main things that happens is a lot of times people get involved and it's just still okay. It's based on their ego. You know, yeah, they sure. do it because it makes them feel good, uh, which is definitely a great part of it. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're really giving, uh, it really pays off. It really helps in your business too. I mean, it's, again, like I said, it's you, the more you give, the more you get. And it's just, it's a win-win for everybody. I think that's absolutely true. You know, it's the more you give back, the more people, you know, it improves your brand equity, for want of a better word. I mean, people yeah. actually like you and admire you as a person, and that's got to be great for business. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, remember, the whole game of business is really based on relationships. And that's what's so interesting about the whole social world, the ability now for virtually anybody to have the opportunity to build relationships with people. I mean, that's what just blows my mind is how, you know, I've made friends with people now in targeted areas using the, using the internet. I haven't even met some of these people, but, you know, they're there for you and they can really help you. And I mean, it's incredible, the education, the knowledge, if you really start to get the hang of the search and how social works and, you know, how to communicate and collaborate with people online. It's, a, it's an incredible time. I mean, it really is for the entrepreneur. It's the greatest time in history. I, I keep saying, because right now I'm really kind of helping and focusing on a couple areas uh, with artists because I'm kind of going back into the music side of things because, right. you know, taking some of my knowledge from that and going back in there. But this is like a, I explained to them the greatest time in history for the independent artists. Yeah. especially to make money. I mean, but the big issue they have is they just don't really know how to engage yet or how to really kind of turn those fans into super fans and 
how to build those relationships. You know? that, that's a weakness across most business. I've just given a speech about um, um, the likely changes in the, over the next 10 years in business and uh, um, people were just sitting there sort of dumbfounded. They think that it's going to continue. The, you know, they're still out there buying double-page newspaper ads and, and, and radio. <laughs> I, can't <laughs> I, I can't believe it. I, I can't believe it. Either. I just don't get it. Anyway, when you were young, you had three mm-hmm. goals. One, yep. to be a muso. One, to own a yep. business. And the third one, to produce documentaries. Now, when you play yeah. Pink Floyd on the road, You'd sit there and read business books, which is yep. not what most people would expect from a rock star. I mean, it's hardly drugs, sex, and rock and roll. Do you want to come and th- come to this party? No, I think I'll read Think and Grow Rich. <laughs> At that stage, had you formulated in your mind what sort of business you wanted to go into, or did you simply want to have the skills that, so that when the time was right, you had the skills to make a success of it? Uh, well, let's, let's see. During that time, I was really more, I was actually interested in the production side of business. So I was out with Floyd and started a production company, which was Walt Tucker yeah. at the time. And, um, during that time, I was really trying to just take the opportunity with all the free time we have on the road to really educate myself. You know, when I got, when I took the, when I take a gig, when I went on the road, cause we were on the road with Pink Floyd, that was an 18 month tour. Sure. So I'm, you're going to be gone for quite a while. So I knew the day that I started, the most important thing was, is now I have a year and a half to figure out what I'm going to do the day after it's over. Because <laughs> um, so, it comes quick. It's like you blink and boop, oh, that was a fast year and a half. It does come um, quick. So, so I really tried to take the opportunity to really kind of educate myself in the business world because I'd started that and I was always fascinated with the idea of business. My dad being a serial entrepreneur through the years, I'd grown up with him. He'd started a whole bunch of different businesses. And so I kind of got the, got hooked on that aspect through him. Um, but uh, it wasn't really, at that time I was, again, I was really more interested in the, in the, in the uh, production and um, kind of uh, media business at the time. And, and actually, when I came back after doing that first tour on the road, uh, when we had a break, I ended up going to Comdex, which was a you know, big trade show that was going on in Las Vegas, technology show. And I basically saw my future at that time, which is where I was sitting across the, the room, actually uh, promoting a CD-ROM that I'd worked on. And I saw a... Um, up on the screen, this thing from across the room went over, and it was a it was a thing called the Living Book. It was one of the first. It was called Grandma on Me, a kids' right. educational title. Yeah. And once I saw that and saw actually multimedia starting to happen on the computer, that's when I really tailored my my thinking about jumping into the cyber scene. And I really focused a lot in that area. And what was great was, is obviously being with Pink Floyd, it was always a great icebreaker. And I was able to really, you know, friend a whole bunch of these cyberpunks, you know, these guys and hanging out in their garages and, you know, writing code and, you know, doing the digital beans up in San Francisco and really hanging in that community. It was actually interesting because it was myself and Todd Rundgren and then uh, Thomas Dolby came in a little bit later on. We were kind of really the first music guys kind of into that whole area. But when I saw that, I, I saw my future, and then I saw that the real game was getting into technology, and that's when I met my partner, uh, business partner, a guy named George Grayson, yeah. who was actually running the 20th largest software company in the United States at the time. And I pounded him every day to say, 
say, dude, let's go. It's this multimedia <laughs> thing. Let's go. Let's go. Next thing I know, I brought Bob Ezrin in, who was, uh, you know, he produced all the Pink Floyd records and, you know, he's a major, major producer, Kiss and all the big records and Alice Cooper. Bob uh, was asking me, he's read an article about uh, the show that I was putting on in Vegas for Comdex and called me up. And the next thing I know, Bob's my partner and, we're in it and we're going after it. And that's when I really started to focus on the whole technology side of things. So it's, it's got to be a help when you're talking to tech guys and they're sitting there um, eating bags of chips and drinking Coke and listening to Pink Floyd music. It's got to be a help. <laughs> it does help. There's no question. <laughs> There's no question. I'm very, very thankful to have, have been able to, uh, you know, be able to absorb a little piece of that brand, you know. Well, now, with all the emphasis at the moment on healthcare. How does mm-hmm. direct to care fit into the overall healthcare landscape? How do you how do you see that? Well, I, well, actually, this, this is a little bit. I've got to update. What we've done is we were we were basically direct to care was really focused on uh, presence management for healthcare yep. professionals, and we actually saw the opportunity that you know what we were doing in the healthcare space is not just for doctors and those kind of guys, but actually into you know all types of business. So we've expanded what we were doing. And we've actually creating right now the online presence index. Right. And so we've actually have now switching the brand to the getyouropi.com, which will be launching in about, oh, probably hopefully another month or so, uh, which is really about focusing on managing online presence for, uh, you know, for anybody, which is, you know, it's important because that's your new, uh, your new, your new resume. So what we've, so what we've done is we basically bring in a lot of data into a dashboard so they can really get a feel for what's going on online and it's mapped to this index so you can see how you're doing, how your competition is doing and how, who else. And, you know, just really it's about authority and managing your online presence, you know, across that's, the board, not just social influence. That's fantastic. That's, that's really yeah. important. I've got a couple of clients and one of the most difficult things is um, just trying to keep a handle on everything that's out there and, and get the feedback and it's, it's really difficult at the moment. Yeah. So does Scott Page sort of have all these multiple personalities? You know, on one hand, you obviously love being a super group out in front of 100,000 people and yet you love to play or love to play incognito in small clubs. That seems to be kind of weird. Um, and then you've created a succession of successful technology businesses yet you... Um, work tirelessly to help people who are less privileged. I mean, it just seems that you've done all of these things unbelievably well. Well, But are you a musician, a businessman, a philanthropist? I mean, which one are you and which one would you like on your tombstone? I'm not wishing you, you know, any luck. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there soon enough. <laughs> um, you know, gosh, you know, it's all pretty much the same to me. I mean, it's, again, it's, you know, building businesses and building relationships. It's all about the ride, you know, and I love, look at, I love music. I'm actually now really getting back into the music side of things on the, on the, uh, uh, documentary side of my second piece. What I've done is I've actually collected for the past uh, 52, I hate to say years, all the, um, all these archives, I shot about 150, 60 hours of Pink Floyd video, tens of thousands of photographs of tours and all that stuff. So now I'm in the midst of compiling all of that and getting ready to put a bunch of that out online, uh, which is so that's going to sort of solve the documentary side. So the question is, what is it? I, it's just, it's all of them. The music to me is 
is, is much as important as the business side because they really do go hand in hand. When you really start thinking from a business point of view, it's uh, from an artist point of view, you have to be a businessman. Uh, from a businessman point of view, you have to figure out how to, how to create, whether it's you or somebody else creating something of value. So, I mean, they really all intertwine. So, you know, I'm, I'm just happy with the, Hey, that guy that, you know, played the saxophone and got some code written. <laughs> I guess that's what we'll go on. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, yeah, it's, it's very important these days because it doesn't matter what business you're in. You need mm-hmm. to be a good business person. It's one thing to yeah. be a visionary and, and be creative, but you've got to make those things work. And there's lots of, you know, everybody's got an idea, but very few people actually make them successful. Yeah, it's not an easy thing. And, I, you know, it's, it's definitely, you have to work. And that's one thing I tell all the artists that I'm working with right now. You know, it's like it's the greatest time in history for you to create a business. Uh, you know, I don't have to tell you, you know, the online world is opening up incredible opportunities and sure. to bypass you know, all third parties, you don't really need a record label anymore. What you need is an audience and whoever owns the audience wins. That's right. So it's, it's how do you engage that audience? How do you, uh, uh, create when, you know, I, I just kind of follow the Kevin Kelly model of a thousand true fans. Yeah. You know, yeah. the idea of a true fan, somebody that spends a hundred dollars sure. a year on you, you know, you got a thousand, you got a hundred grand. So if the artist That's starts the Lady Gaga the- model too, she's been enormously successful with her points of focus that she's done. Enormous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's a real interesting time. And, you know, business is such an important part, and especially in the artist world where these guys are terrible businessmen for the yeah. most part. Yeah. yeah. They don't realize how, first of all, they're terrible marketers and they're terrible business people. Yet in the world where they sit right now, they have one of the most important tools is, you know, it's all about content marketing and how to create relationships using your content. They create content, which is always the hardest part to do. Absolutely. Right. So they've got a big piece of it solved. It's really just learning these other aspects. So, you know, that's the area I'm focused on is really trying to help artists figure out, take it from a business point of view. Is it a hobby or is it going to be a business? That's my first question. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, what is interesting is that the changes are so tremendous now that you've got, um, for example, Breaking Bad rated, uh, pulled in 10.3 million listeners, and yet you have um, Nice Peter on um, YouTube who can get 80 million people viewing his his um, video. So, I am. you know, it's a whole different ball game now. You've got, you've got Yahoo setting up studios and Apple setting up studios and everybody setting up studios that, that give everybody, no matter what you do, just an incredible entree into this whole new world of reaching the people right where they live one-on-one without going through anybody else. Yeah, incredible. I mean, that, that is such a fundamental change in the way everything's being done. I mean, the opportunities for those that seize it right now are just yep. incredible. No, I agree. I mean, yeah, you know, you're seeing it. You know, I always use the example, which we, you know, both of us, we hang out with Ken, Ken Murkowski and his metal yep. group. Uh, I don't know if you saw the time when Aaron Ray came over there from um, the collective. And, you yep. know, he handles all those things like the angry orange and all that. Yeah, that when was, I, that was brilliant. Fact, yeah, when you hear that the ang- not the angry orange, the annoying orange, annoying orange which costs yeah. between two hundred to five hundred dollars per episode, is a, a, this year will become a billion dollar property. Yeah, and that was that was launched off in of YouTube, right? So the model has definitely shifted. And if you build audience, you you the you know the world is your oyster. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You basically can clean up. So that's the game. That was, time. that was an absolutely jaw-dropping presentation, I reckon. It was fantastic. 
I, I, I had no idea. I mean, you know, you're talking about most people think about um, a um, an impact bringing you in a dollar, and he's talking about multiples of thirty dollars. And you sit there and think, how the hell do they do? That? But um, but you can once you once you understand yep. the business, you really can. Yeah. So the, yep. the the third item on your list of desires when you were young was to create documentaries. Now, yeah. where, where are you with that? You mentioned that you've got. You yeah. Yeah, so I've been collecting and, you know, kind of pulling all the pieces together for years, and it's actually kind of fun what I'm doing is I've been pushing this stuff into a closet and in a, into a storage bin for, you know, like I said, more than 50 years, and I never looked at any of it. Yeah. You know, it's sort of just collecting. I'm a major collector, so I've been collecting, collecting, and collecting, and shooting video and taking photos, and, you know, that's what I did on my tours and while I was out all this time, and so I'm having fun right now where we've been digitizing everything, and uh, it's actually blowing my mind to go back and see some of this stuff. So what I'm doing is, is I'm actually, instead of like trying to edit all this footage and do all of that, I'm actually taking an approach which is a little different. Since I haven't seen it, I'm going to take my viewers along with it at the same time. So oh, cool. I, get my vi- I get my video camera out Yep. And I say, okay, where are we going today? Let's see. We're going to go to uh, Pink Floyd and Venice. Okay, boom. I pull it up and I say, okay, here's what's happening. So I, I say, hold on. I throw the thing on. I throw the, 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 the file up. I throw, when I find something really cool, I turn the camera back on. I go, sure, this will kill you. Check this out. Boom. And I'm just shooting the video screen. Right. Of the actual moment, and actually commentating on top of it, putting some you know some verbiage over the top. So it's actually kind of fascinating because it's my first time seeing the footage and this stuff at the same time as everybody else. So it's actually interesting to go back and go through all this. So you know that's what I'm doing, just kind of compiling all this stuff and things that I put together through the years to now take and uh, you know put it all together and get it out there and let people see some of the fun times we had in the days on the road and you know some really interesting points of view because obviously when you're inside with these bands and with these artists um you get a different point of view than you do sure. when you're out and from the audience point of view so sure. i think they'll be fascinated to see some of this stuff i spoke to a guy on the show last week um from a company called show dog who which mm-hmm. enables you to pull any material from anywhere and then pull it down onto a multiple of screens um, it's very clever. I will. I'll send you and him um, and contact each other because that might be a great tool for you to facilitate mm. what you're doing. It's very clever. So mm. you've been able to achieve fantastic success both as a musician and a businessman. Now we've got a very large audience of entrepreneurs on this program, entrepreneurs and and executives of companies. In your opinion, what are the key traits that are required to become successful, irrespective whether it's music or business or whatever the hell it is? What are the what are the major traits that you need to have? You know, I think obviously the one that everybody says you have to have a passion. You know, for me, it's always been difficult to try to get involved in something that I wasn't really passionate about because the hard part is keeping the drive going. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a lot of times you can get all excited about a business opportunity because you look at the dollars and everything. But then at the end of the day, you go, is that really something I want to do every day? Yeah. And if it's not, if it's not, you know, the chances are you'll, you'll drop out. You know, because it just doesn't, it's very difficult to keep it going. So obviously passion is really important. Um, I think, you know, building relationships is another really, really key thing. I always talk about influencing the influencers. Yep. That's really the model. I think a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs and things try to shoot 
you know, take a, the shotgun approach. Yep. And I try to yep. take a more of a, like, okay, who are the people that can really inf- help me move my, what my vision is and who are they and focus on trying to meet them and build a relationship with them. And, um, I you know, think that's once a fantastic those right, piece of advice. That's a great piece of advice. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, that's the beauty of going out and, uh, you know, especially today with search, you know, and I talk to people about Twitter search being one of the greatest business tools on the planet. You know, people, their their eyes roll out. What do you mean? (laughs) You know, know, the ability to find audience, meet people, find people. I mean, you know, for me, I've been really focusing, like, over the last three, four years on really the whole content marketing and really trying to understand the new marketing and business models that are happening online. And through that, because I can target, I've met incredible people and found some great folks and stuff that build where they're the influencers, and they're so helpful in helping you move your business forward. So sure. I think that's, that's a big one. It's influencing influencers. Determine where you want to go, who's going to help you the most, where it is, and work on building those relations, figuring out how to meet those people and moving yourself through the process. Uh, there's actually a thing by uh, Stephen Mead, who is another metal. Oh, I love Stephen Mead. Yep. Stephen, and I don't know if you saw his tornado principle. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, I have. It's a... That's a fascinating thing, and I think everybody should go out, if you're serious, you should go on YouTube, look for Stephen Mead and his Tornado Principle, and just check yeah. that out. I mean, it's very simple, but it it's is. like it's almost like the aha moment. You kind of go, oh, geez, I've been doing this wrong all this time, and it's really about how to find focus and figure out how to move your what you're trying to move forward in the most efficient way by, you know, finding the right people, asking the right questions. So that's a really good, that's a good one. So... Definitely go check out Stephen Mead on YouTube, The Tornado Principle. I think it's a tornado. Is it principle? I can't remember that. Yeah, and, and the last one, of course, I guess, is perseverance. So many people give up. Oh, yeah. You can't. I mean, that's, that's the really interesting thing is, you know, staying on it is that's half the battle. But what I would say, too, probably one of the more important things, because I've been there, I'm telling you right now, I was so passionate about something, and I worked and worked, didn't give up, didn't give up, didn't give up. I didn't know when to give up. Yeah. That's, a good that's another one, is when to, when to fold. Yep. You know, if things aren't getting to place, I mean, that's a very touchy thing, because you want to be persistent about, you know, keeping that thing going and never giving up. But, but at the same time... Yeah. You can get killed by hanging on too long to an idea that just doesn't have legs, even though you may think it does. Yep. And is it possible? So it's a, that's, a, that's a tough one. Yeah, keeping the perseverance and being, you know, having the stamina to go the extra mile, but at the same time being smart enough to know when to call, call it quits. Because I can tell you, I've done that, and it's very painful. <laughs> <laughs> it's very painful because it becomes your baby, and you're so entwined, and you love it so much, and you feel like it's got so much traction, it's got the possibilities. But then you can just, after a while, you just start seeing that, you know, it's just not getting the traction. A couple of simple and, questions to finish up. Okay. Who's your favorite all-time band? Oh, gosh, that's a really, that one goes crazy. I mean, I can tell you that there's, I've been listening to five records now for like 25 years, and I listen to them over and over again. Yeah. 
So it's the same ones, same guys. Those records get better and better every year. But I'm, you know, I'm a big Stevie Wonder fan. The old, the old school Stevie yep. days. I just love him. You know, yeah. Um, you know, I I listen to those greatest hits records. Junior Walker is one of my all time greatest favorite okay. saxophone players on yep. the entire planet. <laughs> a very unique. Uh, I love Nat King Cole. Is another okay. one that's great. Get, everybody go get Nat King Cole live at the Sands. I guarantee yeah, you. It's fantastic. I agree. Fantastic record. You know, obviously there's Wes Montgomery. I mean, there's a, there's so many different guys that I really, really love. And, you know, from bands, I'm, I'm obviously, I love Pink Floyd mostly because I'm so, I, I can't believe the, the power of that brand and what it's all about. But I agree. You know, there's, there's just, you know, that's a really tough question because I listen to, you know, I'm so into the music scene. They're just different guys for different things. And a lot of the things that I listen to are probably so obscure to people like Lenny Bro. I don't know how most people have never heard of Lenny Bro. Probably the greatest guitar player that ever lived. Uh, go check him out on YouTube. That's B-R-E-A-U. Okay. Uh, uh, Lenny Bro. Okay, all-time uh, favorite song. My all-time favorite song? Um, I think it's... Uh, um, my all-time would be... Uh, uh, oh gosh! Well, it's, it's, it's actually a, a great, uh, amazing grace. Amazing grace! <laughs> Who'd have thought? I love, I love that tune. I, I really love all those old traditional kind of tunes. Yeah, I love the way the chords, the changes. I just really enjoy a lot of that stuff. So, those are some. You know, there's a bunch of them, but you know, those are the kinds of tunes I like. Scott Page, you are a great entrepreneur. You're a legend. You're an inspiration to any person seeking success in business. You are also a fucking great musician. And I hope I see you again at Metal sometime soon. This is Bob Absolutely. Thank you. This is Bob Pritchard, and you're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business. And I'll be back with you in just a moment. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, absolutely no bullshit business radio show on Voice America Business Channel. On this, the day after Christmas, or Boxing Day as it is often referred to. Someone this morning asked me why it's called Boxing Day, so I actually Googled it because I didn't know. It appears that December the 26th was the day that lords of the manor and aristocrats in England typically distributed Christmas boxes filled with gifts and money and leftovers from Christmas dinner to their household servants and employees who had to work on Christmas Day. So that's what Boxing Day is about, and it's becoming more popular. In fact, um, uh, I was watching Ryan Seacrest this morning on television. He was talking about Boxing Day today, so I was quite surprised, and so that's what it's about. Since this is the last show for 2017, I really want to thank all our listeners for making the Bob Pritchard Radio Show the number one business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs. It means a hell of a lot to me. Um, been going, this is our seventh year, and um, we're um, having a good time still. 
And this week we're broadcasting from Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, where entertainment meets technology. Now, we often talk about the rapid rate of change that's taking place in business. We look at Uber and Lyft and Airbnb and Amazon and Tesla and Netflix and a whole host of other companies that are revolutionising industries. You know, for those older listeners, probably 40 and above or so, um, just 17 years ago, Kodak had 170,000 employees and sold 85% of all the photo paper in the world. Within just a couple of years, their business model disappeared and they were bankrupt. So 170,000 employees to nil and from 85% market share to nil in just a few years. And this is going to happen to a lot of industries in the next 10 years. And most people in those industries do not see it coming. It's going to happen with artificial intelligence, health, autonomous and electric cars, education, 3D printing, agriculture and jobs, right across the board. Software is going to disrupt 90% of traditional industries within five to 10 years. It's amazing to think that, you know, Uber, it's just a software tool. They don't own any cars, but now they're the biggest taxi company in the world. Airbnb is the biggest hotel company in the world, and they don't own any properties. This year, for the first time, a computer beat the best Go player in the world. 10 years earlier than expected. And the International Go Federation is a total of 75 member countries and estimated 100 million players worldwide, putting it right up there in the realm of big international activities. In the US, young lawyers can't get jobs. Because of IBM Watson, you can now get legal advice within seconds with over 90% accuracy compared with 70% accuracy when done by humans. Watson already helps diagnose cancer four times more accurately than do humans. Facebook's got a pattern recognition software that can recognize faces better than humans. And sometime before 2030, computers will become more intelligent than humans. It's much more intelligent than most humans already. <laughs> most humans aren't that bright. However, in 2018, six days away, the first self-driving cars are going to appear. By 2020 to 2022, most of us won't own a car anymore. You'll just, you want a car, you just pick up your phone, it'll show up and drive you wherever you want to go. Our kids won't have a driver's license and most of our kids will never ever own a car. Cities will need 90 to 95% less cars. Parking space can become parks if cities don't get too greedy and whack up buildings that they can get rent for. Currently, we have one car accident every 60,000 miles. Autonomous driving will drop that to one accident every 6 million miles and it'll save a million lives in traffic accidents every year. A million lives saves a year. Just think about that. Many car companies will become bankrupt or they'll be acquired by someone else. Without accidents, car insurance will become 100 times cheaper. 
The car insurance business model, as we know it now, will disappear. Real estate will change because being able to work while you commute will enable people to live better and live further away from cities. Cities will be cheaper and less noisy because and less polluted because cars will be electric. Electricity is going to be incredibly cheap, if not free, and clean. You know, this last year, more solar energy was installed worldwide than new fossil installations. First time. The price for solar will drop so much that coal companies will be out of business by 2025 and not before time. And with a bit of luck, we'll get a new government in the United States and the we will accelerate um, getting rid of fossil fuels rather than adding to the pollution of the planet and global warming. But with cheap electricity comes cheap and abundant water because desalinisation will only need, need two kilowatt an hour per cubic metre. Imagine what will be possible if anybody can have as much clean water as they need for nearly no cost. Now, one of the major beneficiaries, of course, will be health. There will be companies who will build a medical device called the Tricorder that works with your phone, takes your retina scan, your blood sample, and then you breathe into it. It'll analyze 54 biomarkers that will identify nearly any disease and identify them in an early stage so we can do something about them. It'll be cheap. So in a few years, in a very few years, everyone on this planet will have access to world-class medicine. And not only that, it will be nearly free. And free is a good word. You know, the amount of money that um, it costs us now in medicine is outrageous and we need to do something about it. So this is an incredible time to be alive. And 2018, I believe, will be a hugely successful one for anyone who wants to work hard and take a risk. Now, don't forget, get out there and push the envelope. You know, don't do what everybody else does. Anybody can be ordinary. Now, remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. It's easier and it's much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Anybody can be ordinary. Do you want to be ordinary? Do you want to look at yourself in the mirror and say, oh boy, I'm ordinary? Of course you don't. It's better to aim for the stars and miss than it is to aim for the gutter and succeed. And if you're always trying to be normal, you'll never know just how amazing you can be by throwing off those shackles and really giving it your best shot. Have some guts, take a risk. So I hope you can join me again next Tuesday for my very first broadcast of 2018 when I'll again be broadcasting from Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. And in the meanwhile, continue to be successful because the alternative really sucks. So I wish you a great week ahead and a fantastic 2018. This is Bob Pritchard. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. 
Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.